Let's stand together and we're taking a little recess from our series on 10 words, the 10 commandments. And today we're going to look at Palm Sunday, uh, the, the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, then of course Good Friday, and then next Sunday, believe it or not, is Easter Sunday. And um, I have no idea where the remote is, uh, Scott. Okay. No, it's my phone in my back pocket, but thanks. Um, okay, uh, Charles, you're going to have to advance the slides for me. All right? Okay. Um, so anyway, we're looking at um, Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. I'm reading yellow, you're reading the white, and there are only four slides, and this is what it says. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives... Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Important statement. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. Very good. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Very good. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you and praise you for your incredible, generous gift exhibited in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the work and ministry of the Spirit that makes all that you've done in Jesus possible, available, applicable in our lives. And so we ask today for that same Holy Spirit to, Lord, quicken our mouths so that we may have speak clearly. Lord, we pray that you would give us um, ears to hear, minds to comprehend, and hearts to understand what it is that you are saying to us today. But particularly, Lord, as we leave this place this afternoon or early later this morning and we go out into our this week into our homes and our families and our marriages and our relationships and where we are educated and where we work and where we get our services and where we do our activities, that it might show in our lives what we profess by our faith, that people would see what it means for people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you be seated? This week, today, starts what we refer to or is referred to as Passion Week or Holy Week. Now, the next seven days of Jesus' life 
is going to look something like this. First of all, Sunday, which is today, is Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem. We're going to look at that in a couple of minutes. Tomorrow on Monday, he will cleanse the temple. And just sort of file that in your mind for a little bit because we'll come back to it. On Tuesday, he will have controversy with the Jewish leaders on Wednesday. Apparently, it's a day, was a day of rest for him. And then we come to Thursday or Mahdi Thursday when he actually um, has the Last Supper with his disciples and the famous and familiar foot washing. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the word Mahdi is a word that actually, it's an Anglo-French word that comes from the Latin word mandunatum, and mandunatum means commandment. That's where we get the word. And it actually refers to what Jesus said to his disciples at the Last Supper in John chapter 13, verse 34, where he says this, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And that's what the word Mahdi actually refers to. It refers to commandment. It comes from the Latin. And so I just didn't know if you wanted to know that or not. And then, of course, we come after that to Good Friday, which is the passion, which is the suffering and the trial and the crucifixion and the death and the burial of Jesus. And then we come to Silent Saturday, where Jesus is in the tomb. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, what was Jesus doing while he was in the tomb on Saturday? Well, I'm not going to tell you this morning, but it is something that is really worth investigating and studying. And then, of course, comes Sunday, which is Easter Sunday morning, and Jesus comes out of the grave. But during Holy Week, or Passion Week, we remember Jesus' suffering and his death and his burial and his Um, is overall passion. Now, if you're anything like I am, our natural inclination is to want to jump to the joy and the hope of Resurrection Sunday. But Holy Week or Passion Week begins today. And on Palm Sunday and throughout this week until we get to Sunday, we pause. We pause for centuries This Sunday has been set apart for us to remember and to reflect upon what Jesus did. And it is set aside to remind us and to commemorate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And as we look at the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday, is it triumph? Or tragedy? We'll see. But as we read the account in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11, whether we realize it or not, we are more a part of the story than we may think. I want us to use our imaginations this morning. And I want you to envision what it might have been like when Jesus enters into Jerusalem in that journey. Of the people who were there, who do we most identify with? Is it the people of Jerusalem, the adults, or the children? 
Maybe we identify with the disciples, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, or maybe the zealots who hated Rome, or maybe even the Romans. Maybe we identify with Jesus, or is there someone else that we identify with? So who would we best imagine ourselves to be on that first Palm Sunday? Where would we imagine ourselves to be on that first Palm Sunday? Because things are not always as they appear to be. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, different people had different ideas about what was going on. And so I want us to look at Palm Sunday through the eyes of the people who were there. The first set of eyes that we want to look at are, or look through rather on Palm Sunday are through the eyes of the people. What we will call expectant, but misunderstanding. Now, everybody loves a parade, right? Everybody loves a parade, especially children. In the town that I grew up in, my earliest memory of a parade was our winter carnival parade, complete with this guy, the carnival mascot, Banam, Banam de Neige, the snowman. And the parade was the beginning of a week of winter festivities, person can still walk the parade route from Bethany to the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. The parade route starts on the Mount of Olives. It makes its way down through the valley in the tombs of the prophets and makes its way to the old city in less than, matter of fact, a, a kilometer, a little less than a kilometer. But there's also this. We read in verse 8 that many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Now, this is the ancient equivalent of rolling out the red carpet. People spread their cloaks and palm branches on the road as they would as if royalty was coming. Because the people, royalty, don't get their feet dirty with the dust and the mud of the dirty roads. In ancient times, kings and queens never walked. But there's also this, shouting. Now there are three shouts that we hear from the crowd as they, Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. The first shout we hear is the one that we sang about this morning, Hosanna. Now, the word Hosanna is only used in the Psalms, depending on what translation, and in the three Gospels that actually record, or the four Gospels actually, that record the, the, the Palm Sunday event. Hosanna is literally a prayer. It means, God, save us, or save us now, we pray. There's sort of an intensity to it. It is basically a cry for help from God, and it comes directly from Psalm 118, which we'll get to in just a couple of minutes. 
Hosanna is a prayer of desperation. It is a recognition of need, and it is an understanding in that recognition of need that God is the only one that can help, and only God can do what God can do to relieve the need. But on this Palm Sunday, it's not so much a prayer as it is praise from the mouths of the people. The second shout that we hear is this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, in Jerusalem during Passover, there are literally hundreds of thousands of pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem for Passover. And when they would arrive at the temple, they would greet one another with these words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In much the same way in which at Thanksgiving we would greet each other with happy Thanksgiving or at Christmas, Merry Christmas, or Easter, we would say happy Easter, they would greet each other with these words. And what it literally meant was, when they talked about it, then they, when they quoted it and they greeted one another with this, what they were really were saying is that they were talking about the Messiah, the one who is coming. The third shout that we hear is this. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Now the Old Testament prophets they all foretold that the Messiah would come, and when he would come, he would sit on David's throne, that he would reign on David's throne forever. And so the Passover, or this Passover, like, unlike previous ones, there was a hope that this Jesus was the one and that he was coming and he was going to sit on David's throne. What a wonderful moment of triumph. There was a bit of triumph. I mean, you have to credit the people that first of all, they recognized their need, and secondly, they actually knew where to go and whom to go to to have their need met. But there's also this. Ed Dobson says the behavior of the people on Palm Sunday was a curious mix of two Jewish traditions. The Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Hanukkah. Now, can I bore you with a little bit of history? You okay for a little bit of history? Yes? That's yes. This is no. Yes? Okay, I'm doing it anyway. So the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Let me give you the background very quickly. The people of Israel have wandered in the desert and in the wilderness for 40 years and they've finally come into the promised land, the land of Canaan that God has given them. But God is a little concerned 
if God gets concerned. What God wants to make sure is that the people do not forget his faithfulness to them, not only to the generation that comes immediately out of the wilderness after the 40 years, but for generation and generation after that. So God says to them, he installs in the annual habits of the people of Israel, he installs a festival called the Festival of Tabernacles or the Festival of Booths. And what they would do is they would go out into the field and and they, uh, they would cut down these branches and they would build these sort of makeshift uh, dwellings, shelters, kind of like a lean-to, if you will. It was kind of like the entire nation of Israel went camping for a week. I remember when we were in Israel and I was there during the, once during the Feast of Tabernacles and in the high-rises and all the balconies, you would see these... Um, little shelters where that were uh, made out of sticks and made out of branches and made out of all of those things and they would be right there on the balconies and they would sleep there at night as a weekly celebration and remembrance of the feast of tabernacles but here's the catch at the end of the week at the end of that week of booths at the end of that week of fest of uh, of tabernacles the people would take the branches from their makeshift dwellings and they would actually form a procession and they would march up to the temple and they would sing Psalm 118 and this is what it says oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever and then verse 25 says and you'll recognize it save us we pray O Lord O Lord we pray give us success Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. So the Feast of Tabernacles is the first one. The second one is the Feast of Hanukkah. Now, let me give you a little historical background about Hanukkah. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the intertestamental period, a king by the name of Antiochus of Syria... Marched into, marched into Israel and conquered the nation. And one of the things that he tried to do as he conquered the nation is that he actually tried to force the people to take on the Greek language and the Greek laws and the Greek philosophy and the Greek religion. But the worst thing that he did was this, and this was incredibly offensive, is that he set up brothels in the temple courts he set up the statue of Zeus in the middle of the temple and to add insult to injury he sacrificed a pig on the sacred altar of Israel well by then the people of Israel had had enough and a group by the name of the family of the Maccabees Judas Maccabee started fighting Antiochus and the Syrians and to make a long story short he actually defeated them and upon the celebration and the victory of the defeat of defeating Antiochus and the Syrians Judas Maccabee rode into Jerusalem in triumph there was a huge parade and Judas entered Jerusalem and then he purified and cleansed the temple and then rededicated it. Today, 
that celebration, that victory, is referred to as the Feast of Hanukkah or the Feast of Lights, or in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 22, it's actually uh, recorded as the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah. But does any of this sound familiar? He conquered, he rode into Jerusalem, big parade, and then cleansed and rededicated the temple. On Monday, tomorrow, Jesus will walk into the temple and he will drive out the money changers. He will do the same thing. As Jesus rode into the city, the people perhaps thought Jesus was another Judas Maccabee. And he was riding in to break Roman oppression and to liberate them. I mean, think about it. If Judas Maccabee could defeat Antioch, Antiochus and the Syrians, think about what Jesus will do with the Romans. If he could raise Lazarus from the dead, then his power could defeat Rome. And so the crowds were caught up with this powerful image. But the tragedy is, the tragedy is that they had the wrong Messiah in mind. They misunderstood. And so one of the questions for us this morning is this on this Palm Sunday. Is what kind of Jesus are we shouting about? Are we shouting about a social Jesus? Are we shouting about a political Jesus? Are we shouting about a personal agenda Jesus? Are we shouting about a health and wealth Jesus? Are we shouting about a North American Jesus? But that brings us then to this. The second set of eyes we see Palm Sunday through. And that's the eyes of Jesus. Focused and intent. As Mark tells the story, like the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John, they all draw our attention to the Old Testament. Now, what they're trying to tell us, of course, is that Jesus came to fulfill the Scriptures, everything that was written about him in the Old Testament, in the Law, and the Prophets, and the Wisdom Literature. And all four of them draw our attention to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And it's the prophecy about Palm Sunday. And Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous, and having salvation is he, humble, and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So why a donkey? And why a donkey that has never, ever been ridden? Now, of course, we know that in the first century, the donkeys were pretty important to the way of life. They were like the, um, the ancient 
version of a pickup truck. They were beasts of burden. But in the Old Testament, the Jews were told that they were to sacrifice a red heifer, a bull. And the qualification was not only that this bull should be a red heifer, but that it should be one that has never been used for plowing. Why? Because that red heifer was for sacred use. The same is true with the donkey. It was a donkey that was never to be ridden. It was virgin in a sense. It was set aside for sacred use. And there's this. A donkey is an animal of peace. A horse is an animal of war. Now, Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 tells us that there is coming a time when Jesus is going to do battle with Satan and with the armies of the world. And then he will establish the kingdom of God and righteousness will encircle the earth and at that time Jesus is going to be coming on a horse. It says, and then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called faithful and true, that's Jesus. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. But on this day, on this day Jesus doesn't come on a prancing horse. He comes on a plodding donkey. Jesus was not coming to sit on his throne yet, but to suffer and to die on a cross. Jesus was entering Jerusalem to die as the Passover lamb, and he comes on a donkey, an animal of peace. He came in humility. He came in humility so that we, me, you, lost, hell-deserving sinners could be forgiven and find peace with God. Is this our Jesus? Is this the Jesus that we are shouting about on this Palm Sunday morning? And then finally, Mark adds this. In verse 11, he says, kind of odd statement, a way to end it. He says, And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. But Luke gives us a little bit more detail in his account. And Luke writes this. He says, Luke says in chapter 19, verse 41 and 42, And when Jesus drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. 
Palm Sunday is a day of mixed emotions. And on Palm Sunday, everybody is shouting their excitement, their celebration. Jesus is the only one who is weeping. And whether his entry is tragedy or triumph depends on how we, you and me, see it. I imagine Jesus entering here. Or if you're watching online into the room that you're in. Or if you're listening in a vehicle, I imagine Jesus entering in, getting into your vehicle. But entering into this room with a desire to enter into our lives. And he doesn't come on a donkey. He comes through the Holy Spirit. And he speaks through our thoughts and he speaks to our hearts And he desires to enter into our lives the same way in which he enters into Jerusalem on that springtime morning. Palm Sunday is a triumph when we let this process begin in us. Palm Sunday is a tragedy if we do not let this process begin in us and with us. I imagine Jesus. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. I imagine Jesus coming in over Jerusalem and weeping. I imagine Jesus entering into this room, into the room that you're in, And I imagine him speaking with tears in his voice. Would that you, would that I, would that we, would that you had known on this day the things that make for peace. This Palm Sunday is a wonderful day to begin that process. Just a moment, I'm going to pray with you. And just before I do, I want to ask us a question, a couple of questions. First of all, if you're watching online or you're in the room and you have never said yes to God's offer of love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, then I want you to know that Jesus comes to you today by the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart through your thoughts. He calls your name and he desires to enter into your life. Will you say yes or no or not today? For those of us that are Christians, you know as well as I do, that there are times and circumstances and situations 
where we go everywhere else and to everyone else. And Jesus enters and desires to enter into every moment, every situation, every circumstance, every relationship in our lives. And on this Palm Sunday, church, Christians, will we let him in? Or will he stay outside? With tears in his voice, if you had only known. If you had only known who it is that makes for peace. Father, For a moment, we close our eyes for privacy, but we open our hearts. First of all, for those this morning who are here or watching online, Lord, and they haven't said yes yet, I pray that today that they'll open up their hearts and allow you to enter into their lives. And I pray over this, Christ, this Easter week as we reflect around the passion of Jesus, his suffering, his trial, his death, his burial. that the answer will be yes. For those of us that already call you Jesus and profess you as Lord and Savior, Lord, if there be anybody in the room today or watching online and have not yet opened their hearts and lives to you for certain situations, circumstances or relationships, or need and have gone to everyone else and everywhere else today that this would be the moment the day that we will open our lives and our hearts afresh and we'll say Jesus enter in Lord by your Holy Spirit work in our hearts and in our lives in Jesus' name, amen.